our first Wednesday service for the month of July. Are y'all excited about the first Wednesday service for the month of July? Man, I know God is doing amazing things here at our church. I hope God is doing amazing things in your life as well. Man, we're so happy and excited to be here today. We just had a great time of meet and greet. We had some a get-to-know-you get game. So it was hard for everybody to, to go back to their seats. We're having such a good time here today. But again, I'm so excited to share the word with you today. And if you're just joining in or this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. This is our first Wednesday service. We do this the first Wednesday of each month. So only the first Wednesday of each month, every other Wednesday, we have prayer, one hour prayer from 6.30 to 7.30, and it's always awesome. But man, we've been in this thing where on first Wednesdays, the last few, uh, past few uh, first Wednesdays, we've been in leadership training or just leadership topics. And last week, my friend from Baton Rouge, uh, Joe Brown, he came and he did a great job. He preached last uh, June. And uh, we just had a time with them, him and his family, they came down. So I just want to thank Joe again for coming down and filling in for me last week. But, man, I'm really excited to share this word with you today. If, uh, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this title down. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Not cocky, confident. Not cocky, confident. And I'm going to explain in great detail today what that means, but I believe this is going to help a lot of us tonight. Not cocky, confident. And the notes for this are on our app as well. If you uh, have Google Play or uh, in the iPhone, you can just go to your app store or Google Play store, download the app. All the notes will be here under the first Wednesday service as well. Not cocky, confident. Look at your neighbor and say, not cocky, confident. Not cocky, confident. You know, confidence is a tricky thing. Now, you need confidence, but if you have too much confidence, you can become cocky. It's like a very fine line between how much confidence do I have to have enough, but then how much do I have that's too much where I'm cocky? And on the flip side of that is, man, I just don't have any confidence at all. And it's like sometimes you can find a person with too much confidence, and you can find a person with no confidence at all. And as you know, a lot of my stories and a lot of my examples always refer back to with sports. I will always refer to with sports. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by being cocky. Y'all want to hear a funny story? Okay, I won't share it. Y'all want to hear a funny story? Okay, well, it's funny to me. So hopefully you'll laugh. All right, so in college, we have what we call, in the fall, we do inter-squad games. And in these games, this is your opportunity to shine. Because at Southern University, when I played, it was, it was at its heyday where we were winning championships and players were getting drafted all over the place. So literally, uh, the first fall I was there, there's only three outfielders that can play. They had 30 outfielders when I went there my first semester. So if you can imagine, with that many people out there, you have to really be on your game to get noticed. And the way that you do that was in inter-squad games. So I remember this one inter-squad game uh, particularly. There was this guy pitching, and I was coming up to bat. And I was looking at this guy. I was like, why in the world is he pitching? Because he is terrible. Like, I just knew, like, this is, like, there's no way in the world he should even be in the inter-squad game. Like, why, why am I even wasting my time going up to bat against this guy because I'm about to hit a home run and, and all this. And you know what happened? I struck out. But you know what I did? 
I didn't walk back to the dugout. I screamed at him. I said, no, you don't strike me out. We're about to do this again. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm getting back in the batter's box, and we're about to do this again. Now, at this point, everybody is looking like, oh, my gosh, this dude is crazy. So everybody runs to the field. Everybody starts screaming. And it's like, it's like this is like the showdown. Because now I'm like, I know, how, I was like, I know I'm good. I know this dude is terrible. There's no way he's supposed to strike me out. And you know what happened? I struck out again. I struck out again. I built this huge, I made this big deal about this guy is not good. He can't strike me out. But guess what? He struck me out again. Two times in a row. And you can imagine the, just the, the embarrassment that I had as I walked back to the dugout, finally, after I struck out two times in a row. And I just remember in that moment that it was my confidence, it was gone. It was gone to the point where I literally said, you know what? I have a lot going on in my life. I think I'm going to quit baseball. And I literally walked off the field and I quit because I was like, I'm tired of this. I, I just had enough. But the thing about baseball in particular than any other sport is that you have to have an extreme confidence and self-belief in yourself because you fail so much. Baseball is the only sport you can go three for 10 and that can be considered above average. You go three for 10 in football passing, that's terrible. You go three for 10 in shooting in basketball, that's horrible. But in baseball, you go three for 10, that is above average. And so you fail so much that you have to have an extreme amount of confidence. But then there's a borderline where you can have too much confidence where you become cocky, like I was. And it was funny because I was telling tomorrow I was going to share a story like that, and she was started, well, that's not cocky. This is what cocky means. And I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about tomorrow, but just let me tell my story. <laughs> and the funny thing was that we both agreed on the same thing as this, is that cockiness is not, it was confidence is believing in yourself. Cockiness is not only believing in yourself, but it's the attitude behind your confidence. It's your attitude what makes you cocky. And sometimes we can get to a place where we're so confident in ourselves that we become cocky. But there is a confidence that we need to live our life. And also, we, there's a confidence that we have to have when we walk in the life of faith. Because without confidence, there are certain things of God that we'll never receive because we don't have the confidence. Or there are certain things of God we won't receive because we're overconfident and we believe too much in ourselves. And God is like, well, you're going to have to humble yourself like what happened to me before I can really use you. So tonight, we're talking about not cocky, but confident. And we're going to find that balance of just the right amount of confidence that I need to see the things that I want for God to receive those things. Amen? Amen. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture tonight, and so bear with me. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. We'll read it, and then we'll pray. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for another opportunity to come before you. Thank you, Lord, that you're opening up our eyes to receive a confidence that solely comes from you and not ourselves, a dependency solely on you. Holy Spirit, speak to us today in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Today, we're going to focus on three areas on how to find confidence in order to fulfill your calling and purpose in God. Your confidence, like that scripture reads, your confidence and hopes, it comes from the Lord. 
We need the Lord to give us a confidence that only comes from him to fulfill the calling and the purposes that he has for us on this earth. Because without that confidence, I'm telling you, you're not going to make it. But there's an inner confidence that comes when you begin to trust in the Lord. When you truly begin to trust in the Lord, there's a confidence that comes over you. And we're going to break that down today. And this is uh, the first thing I want you to write down. This is the first thing you need confidence for. In your faith walk, you're going to need confidence in many different areas. I just wanted to simplify tonight and give you three areas that you need confidence for. So the first area that you need confidence for is this. You need confidence to believe. Confidence to believe. Well, what do you mean confidence to believe? There's several things under here that I'm going to give you that you need confidence to believe for. It's hard to receive anything with God from God if you don't first believe. Believing is half the battle, and, be and believing is uh, the beginning of everything. You cannot be saved if you don't believe that Christ died on the cross. That's the first thing. You need confidence to believe that. Well, how did he die? How did he raise from the dead in three days? It's like there's a faith, there's a belief that has to come. You have to have a confident hope to believe that. That's the first thing. If you don't have confidence to believe that, then you can't receive anything from God. It's just like that's door number one. In order to get anything from God, you got to go through door number one. And door number one is a confidence to believe. You have to believe. So what do I have to believe in? We have to believe that God's promises are true. You have to have confidence to believe that God's promises are true. 2 Corinthians verse 1 uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to glorify God. What does that mean? That means that God's promises are yes and amen. And you have to have confidence to believe that his promises are true and they'll do exactly what they say they will do. Why do you need to believe that? Because when you go through difficulties and you go through trials, his promises are what are going to get you through. If you don't believe in his promises, then when you get difficulties and you come up to obstacles and trials, what in the world do you have to stand on if you don't believe his promises are true? So you have to have confidence that his promises are true because his promises is what you hold on to in the midst of trials and difficulties. Just think about it. Think about the hard things that you walk through. If you didn't have the word of God to go back to, to be your confident hope, to believe and trust in, what else is there to do? You turn to alcohol. You turn to drugs, you turn to other people, you turn to gambling, I don't know what you do, but you turn to all these other things because there's no hope. But when you have a belief and a confidence that, man, I believe that God's promises are true, whatever the word says, I believe it, and you hold on to that, guess what? There's a confidence that comes inside of you. There's a confidence that rises up inside of you. We stand on his promises, and his promises are, what we use, are the weapons that we use through difficulty. What else do we have confidence to believe? We believe that God can provide for us. We believe that God can provide for us. Philippians 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When there is lack in things that we need in our life, it's hard to focus on what God wants us to do because we focus on what we don't have. It's hard to focus on what God wants you to do when you feel like you don't have what you need. My needs. But the word says that God will fulfill all your needs. When there is a confidence that you know that no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, God will provide. There's a confidence that comes on the inside of you. And what an enemy wants to do is he wants to get you to look at the things that you don't have because he knows that that would hinder you from doing what God wants you to do. 
You can get so worried about what you don't have that you forget about what God wants you to do. And you can get so on fire for God at some point and you walk in with God and you're doing, making some, uh, some improvements in God. And boy, you're like, oh, I feel strong. And boy, here comes difficulty. Here comes lack. And then you f- totally forget about God. I'm just trying to get it together, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, to get back to church, but I'm just going through some things and there's some things I need. Well, yeah, that's the enemy trying to come in you with lack to cause you to get off track of what God wants you to do. But the word says that God will supply all my need, all your need. You need confidence to believe that. It's easy to say that when you have everything, but when you don't have what you need, I'm telling you, you're going to need that confidence. You're going to need that confidence when it comes, there will be seasons where you feel like I'm good. I don't need anything. And bless God for those seasons because those are some awesome seasons to be in. But there will be those seasons where you feel like nothing is working out. I'm in like, God, I need this. God, I need that. But boy, I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes on you when you believe he will supply all my need. Amen. We need the confidence to believe that God can provide. We also need confidence to believe that God can heal. Sometimes it can be easier to believe that God can meet your needs but not heal you. You could battle with sickness so long that you believe that, man, I believe that God can save me. I could believe God can provide for me, but I don't think he can heal me. I've seen so many loved ones die of sickness. I've seen so many people around me die of sickness. I don't really believe God can heal. But our only hope is to trust and to believe, y'all. And when you truly believe that not only the physical but uh, mental healing, emotional healing, all those things, all that healing, it comes from the Lord. Philippians, I'm sorry, uh, Psalms chapter 30, verse 2. Lord, my God, I call to you for help, and you heal me. Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you restore, and it says in this translation, and you restored my health. What does that mean? I just need to call out to the Lord. But it takes a confidence to believe that. And the confidence we're talking about, it doesn't come from yourself. It comes from trusting in the Lord. But there's a confidence that you have to have to believe that God can truly heal you. Amen? Amen. The enemy wants to keep you in a place of pain because he knows that all for, for all of eternity, he can never receive healing. And he wants you to torment and feel the suffering just like he will. So guess what? He'll try to put seeds of doubt in your mouth. You can't be healed. You better take care of your body because you know if you get cancer, it's a wrap. You know, your, your family members, they died at a young age. You, you're getting towards that age, and he'll try to grip you with fear, but you have to stand on the word of God that says, no, I know that even if I get sick or whatever the case may be, I know that God will heal me. And there's a confidence that you have to believe. God desires, God desire is for you to be healed. You have to, com- have, to have a confidence to believe that. Amen? What else do we need to believe? We need to believe that God can turn your situation around. You have to have a confident hope to believe that God can turn your situation around. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 where a son, I'm sorry, not a son, but a father brings his demon-possessed sons to the disciples. And he brings them to the disciples, and he tells them, hey, my son is demon-possessed. I need you guys to cast the demon out of him. Well, the disciples, they can't do it. And so the man, he brings them. He brings his son before Jesus, and this is what we're going to pick up in the story in Matthew chapter 9, verse 21 through 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, 
The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. But do you, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asks. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And that lies the problem. There's a part of us that does believe. But then there's this unbelief that's attached right to it. That's their doubt in the back of your mind. There's that fear in the back of your mind. I I mean, I think God can do it. I mean, I want to believe, but God, help me overcome this unbelief. How do you overcome that unbelief? There's a confident hope that only comes from Jesus. It only comes from seeking his face. It only comes from being in his presence. It only comes from being in his word. It only comes from obeying his word. And when you get, get in that place of confidence where you begin to his presence and obey his word, when he speaks to you, you're walking in the truth. I'm telling you, there's a confidence that, becomes, that comes inside of you that takes away the unbelief. Yeah. And Jesus, he does heal the boy. But my point is, I'm trying to get you to see is this. I love that part of the story. He says, how long have this been happening? Sometimes you feel like your situation can't turn around because you're in a how long has this been happening season. It doesn't tell us how many years the boy has been in this app. It just said it happened since he was a little boy. It doesn't even tell us the boy's age. I can only assume it's been years. My point is this is like how long have you been in a season of, man, it's just been a long time. I don't really know if God can turn this situation around because I've been battling with this. I've been struggling with this for so many years. I do believe, but I have unbelief. There's a confident hope that comes inside of you only for spending time in the presence of the Lord. The first thing you need to do in your walk with God to fulfill your calling, to fulfill your purpose, you have to have confidence to believe. Amen? Amen. This is the second thing you need. You need confidence to dream. You have to have confidence to dream. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It reads, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write down your dreams, y'all. Write down your dreams. Make it plain. I read a uh, statistic that said that if you write down your dreams or your goals, you are 42% more likely to achieve them just by writing them down. 42% more likely to achieve your dreams or goals if you simply just write them down. And I love that that's what the word says. is write the vision and make it plain. Because what it does is when you begin to write it down and you make it plain, it motivates you to action. When just by seeing something on paper can motivate you to action, just by simply writing it down. But guess what? You have to have confidence to dream. You have to have confidence to dream even when your current situation doesn't seem favorable. Why don't people dream? Because they feel like I'm not in a position to have dreams. My current situation does not afford me to have dreams. I'm trying to survive. I'm in a very dark place right now, so I cannot dream. You know, it's very hard to dream if you're in a dark place. There's no dreams. But you have to have confidence to dream because this is the thing about dreams. Dreams is what gives you hope to keep moving forward. If you don't have dreams, you just stay in that dark place. But dreams bring a hope and a light to get you out of the dark place. As long as you're in the dark place, you need to begin to ask God, God, give me a dream. Because dreams have a way of giving you hope and a future. You ever talk to a person that has big dreams? They're excited about everything. Because why? Because they're motivated. 
When you have a person that's truly chasing their dreams, they're motivated. They truly, why are they motivated? Because they have something that gives them hope for their future. But you want to find a discouraged person? They have no dreams. Because why? Because they're stuck in their current situation and they can't get out of it because it seems so dark. I can't think about dreams. I'm trying to get out of where I am. That's when it takes confidence to dream when you don't see a dream. God, I don't see anything. God, give me a dream. You have to begin to pray and ask God, God, give me a dream. I love Joseph, the story of Joseph. I believe that what kept Joseph moving in his life is because Joseph always had a dream. He was a dreamer. He always had dreams, and his dream kept him when, uh, when all the things, when his brother sold him into slavery, he still rose to the top because Joseph had a dream. When he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife lied to him, guess what? He, he rose up because why? He had a dream. Every time Joseph felt himself in a dark place, his dreams gave him hope and the light, and the light was able to get him out of the, uh, that dark place. But you have to have dreams. You have to dream big. If you don't have a dream, you will always feel stuck and have no hope for your future because you have no light to get you out of a dark place. God has fulfilled a dream. When God has fulfilled a dream in your life, you need to write it down and often go back and look at it to see the dreams and the victories that God has brought you out of. Look at, go back and look at the dreams that God has fulfilled. That's an instant motivation right there. That's an instant opportunity to praise the Lord. That's an instant opportunity for, for gratefulness and, and gladness and joy to overcome your heart because you look back, man, I remember when I was believing for that. Now it looks so small in retrospect, but guess what? At the time, it was a big dream. But you start looking back over the victories that God has brought you through, I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes on the inside of you, and it gives you a confidence to dream again. Y'all, we need dreams. But more importantly, you need confidence to dream. It takes strong confidence to believe a dream can happen. I heard, everybody heard this saying before. It's like, it only seems crazy or impossible until somebody does it. it, it there's so many, how many firsts have there been in the world and will soon to come? It's only crazy until somebody does it. But it takes confidence to dream. Write it down. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You want to experience some life? Let a dream come true. I'm telling you, you get some dreams to start coming true and come to pass, that's a person that's full of life. New life comes from dreams fulfilled. Get some dreams, y'all. We have to have confidence to dream. And this is the third and final thing that we need confidence for in our walk with the Lord. There's trials, there's situations, there's, there's things that's going to come about, all these different obstacles. We need faith. I'm sorry, we need confidence to believe. We need confidence to dream, but we also need confidence to lead. You need confidence to lead. Another way to look at leading is just simply stepping out. In order to lead, at some point, you have to step out from the crowd. That's what leaders do. They step out from the crowd, and they say, you know what? I'm going to, t I'm, I'm going to lead out. And in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord has a, uh, God has a conversation with Joshua. Moses just died, and now Israel needs a leader. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to jo Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. That's pretty clear. We need a leader is what God is getting at. Moses is my servant. He's dead. He's gone. Now I'm talking to his assistant. assistant. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, 
across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I, will give, I have given you. From the Nigva wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, so no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God has called each and every one of us to lead. There's different capacities he's called us to lead, but God has called you to be a leader in your life. He's called you to step out, and there's a confidence that God has that he wants to give you to lead. It was three times in there that God said, be strong and courageous. When, it, when you have to step out and lead, you need to be strong and courageous. Because there's a lot of intimidating factors that come with stepping out and leading. Why don't people step out and lead? Because they're intimidated. There's a lot of things that can bring intimidation. Can you imagine Joshua? He's Moses' assistant. He's right, his right-hand man. He saw Moses do everything. He saw all the miracles that were performed, Moses leading the people out of, he saw all those things. And then Moses is dead, and God says, you're up. I'm pretty sure there's a million thoughts that went through Joshua's head, and I believe that's why the Lord said, be strong and courageous. He said it three times. Because he wanted to give him a confidence that you can step out, you can do this. I don't want you to be intimidated by Moses. Some people don't step out because they're intimidated by the people that went before them. Well, such and such used to do this. I'm not as qualified as them or I'm not as gifted as them. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it as well as they did. It doesn't matter. Be strong and courageous. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't go to school for this. I don't have a degree for this. It doesn't matter. If God has opened the door, step out. Be strong and courageous. Whatever, I, I, you know, I want to reach this group of people in my neighborhood. I, I want to I reach them. I, I've just been thinking of some ways to connect. Step out. Be strong and courageous. Whatever that you're going to do, you're going to have to be strong and courageous and not allow the enemy to intimidate you from stepping out to lead. I believe that's why God was making it so clear. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. I, will, I am with you wherever you go. The same thing I promised Moses is going to happen. Be strong and courageous. You know what else intimidation does? Intimidation does this. It says, I can't step out and lead because that's a great responsibility. People are going to hold me accountable. People run from stepping out and leading because they don't want to be held accountable. And we can look at our society, and there's some people, they take responsibility for their, their shortcomings and their mishaps. Then there's some people that's just the blame game. It's like, well, I, I wouldn't have done this if they wouldn't have did this. And if they would have did this, then I wouldn't have had to done this. And they don't want to set, or they just sit back and say, the ship is going down, and I'm going to just go down with it, but I'm not going to step out and lead because I don't want people to get the criticism get the criticism to me. But that's the problem. God is saying, don't be intimidated by that. Be strong and courageous. Look at your life. 
What areas has God called you to step out that you've been afraid of or intimidated by? I want to encourage you today, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Step out and do it. Step out and lead. Whatever it is in your family, if there's family gatherings, you're like, man, I would love to pray for my family when all my family gets together, but I've just been intimidated by what they're going to say. Be strong and courageous. Man, there's a neighbor that I want to go pray for, but I want to have a con- I just be strong and courageous. There's a coworker I want to invite to church. There's a coworker I want to ask to lunch just to be strong and courageous. Whatever it is you're going to do when leading and step out, be strong and courageous. What are you going to do? Be strong and courageous. God has called us to be strong and courageous. 1 Kings chapter 2, chapter 2 verse 1 through 2. And this is uh, switching gears a little. This is what David is speaking to Solomon. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must one day go. Take courage and be a man. There it is again. Take courage and be a man. All the things that David could have told Solomon that he needed to do to lead, he said, take courage. The thing about courage is courage is something you have to take. You can't just say, I have courage. You have to take courage. You can't just, oh, I'm, oh, I'm be strong and courageous. I got it. No, no, no. Courage is something you have to take. And sometimes courage is something you have to step into. Because there's a, we were talking about confidence. There's a confidence to lead, but there's a confidence it only comes from God. But you have to take it. There's a courage and a confidence that comes on you. You just have to take it. Courage is something you can't just, ooh, I just, God, I hope you give me some courage. No, you got to take courage. <laughs> you have to take it. Ooh, I'm just going to, this is like boldness. God, just give me more boldness. I'll just, and you pray like this. God, give me, just give me some boldness. Boldness was one of the words you can't say. Boldness, boldness, like it's like you gotta, it's like you gotta, you gotta take it, but it's like courage. You gotta take it. Take courage, y'all. I'm gonna give you a few more verses and then I'm finished. Psalms chapter one eighteen verse eight. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Another good way to say this is is better to trust in the Lord than to be confident in yourself. Remember, we're talking about. Not cocky, confident. Not cocky, confident. Confidence comes from trusting in the Lord, not in my abilities. That story I told you about, I was so confident in my abilities, I didn't know, care what the situation or the circumstances looked like. I just boldly walked in there cocky, and I got humbled. Cockiness in yourself or confidence in yourself will always humble you. It will always humble you. That's why it says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You could transfer a man with yourself. It's better to put your trust in the Lord than to trust yourself. Because trusting in yourself, at some point, it will humble you. Because the word says pride comes before the fall, and all cockiness is is pride. Whenever you get to the place where you're so confident in your abilities, oh, I've done this. Let me tell you my resume of all the things that I've done. Okay. That's great. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out for that, uh, that hole right there. Because <laughs> it's a coming. You know, there's a, a pastor that I heard him say this, and this is saying it always stuck to me. It's hard to fall when you're on your face. It's hard to fall when you're on your face. Meaning that I'm on my face crying out to God saying, God, I need you. God, my confidence, my hope is in you and not myself, is not in other people. My confidence is solely in you. 
Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Our confidence comes from the Lord, y'all. It comes from the Lord. If you're discouraged today, find courage in the Lord. Find confidence in the Lord. If you find yourself where you're insecure and you're timid, find confidence in the Lord. Because we're going to need that confidence to believe. Believe God's promises. Believe his word is true. When you walk through difficult times, I'm telling you now, if you're not walking through difficult times now, remember this message, what I'm telling you tonight. Go back to believe that God's promises are true because you're going to need that to get out of a dark place. Confidence to believe. You need confidence to dream. Dream big, y'all. Dream big. If your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. Because if you're not dreaming big enough, that means that you have confidence in yourself that you can make it happen. But your dreams to be so big that you fall on your face and say, God, I need you. That's where the confidence comes from, confidence to dream. But we also need confidence to lead. Amen? Amen. Before we close tonight, I just want to do this. I just want to pray for everybody in the room. If you're watching online, I just want to pray for you. Just lift your hands to the Lord, and let's just pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for each and every person here. I thank you, Lord, for every person with their hands raised, those watching online. I thank you right now, Lord God, that you've given all of us a confidence to believe. Lord, I just pray right now with any area that the enemy has come in with doubt or fear, that you would rise up a holy confidence that only comes from you. Lord, you are our hope. You, we put our trust in you, not in ourselves, but Lord, we trust and we believe that your word is true. We believe that your promises are true. And Lord, I thank you that you will provide of all, all of our needs. I thank you, Lord, that you will turn situations around. I thank you, Lord God, that you will fulfill all of our dreams. I thank you right now, Lord God, that our confidence to believe is true and it's in you, Lord God. I thank you right now that you've given us confidence to dream. For those that have been depressed or discouraged and felt like, God, you've overlooked me. God, I've dreamed before and they didn't come to pass. I thank Thank you that we're taking a fresh grip, Lord God, with our tired and weary hands, that we let go and we take a new grip. But this time, Lord God, our confidence is in you and not in ourselves. And I thank you right now that you've given us the confidence to dream again. And I thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the confidence to lead, that we're stepping out of the crowd, that we're not going to be intimidated by the pressure. We're not going to be intimidated by the critics or what people will say or the dislikes or whatever. But Lord, we take courage. We're going to take courage. We're going to be strong and we're going to step out and we're going to lead. And I thank you right now that you've given us the confidence, that you've given us the boldness to step out and lead in every area of our life. I bind intimidation right now. I bind fear right now. I bind passivity right now. But I thank you that a boldness, a, a holy fire is coming on the inside of us to step out and lead. Lord, I just pray even as we lay in our beds that we won't be able to sleep because there's a burning, there's a yearning, there's a burden inside of us that says, Lord, I must lead. Lord, I must go out and win my neighborhood. Lord, I must go out and I must win my, my, my job, my workplace. God, I must win my family. God, there's, I need to step out and leave, but I need the confidence to come from you. I thank you for it right now, Lord God, that you've given us a fire. A fire for your presence, Lord God. A fire for holiness, because that's where our confidence comes from. Give us a fire and a, and, and a desire for your word, Lord. Let us stand on your word. Let us be, be refreshed and renewed in your presence. Let, we, let us know, Lord God, that our strength and our hope, it only comes from you. Not in ourselves, Lord. We're not cocky. We're confident, but we're confident because we trust in you. Lord, I thank you for touching our hearts tonight. 
I thank you that you're doing something different, that you're doing something fresh, Lord God, that tonight we're being encouraged. Tonight we're being renewed. Tonight we're being, being just having different expectations of, of what we had before, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, for dreams coming true. I thank you, Lord God, that we're stepping out and we're leading in greater ways and that we believe in like we never believed before. Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Not cocky, confident. Y'all say that one more time. Not cocky, confident. I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes to the Lord. Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us online. We'll be right back here Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, bring someone with you. We love to see you in the building, building the fellowship with you guys. We love you. Y'all have a great night. We will see you Sunday at 10 a.m. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap one more time.